Welcome to the Tradie Success Podcast by Annette Wellsford, founder of Common Sense Marketing and Tradie Marketing Secrets. Annette's on a mission to help honest, hardworking tradies like you to become marketing geniuses. So you end up spending less time on the tools and more time growing a great business. Hello, I'm Annette Wellsford. This episode of Tradie Success is brought to you by instanttradingwebsites.com.au where tradies, you can get a low-cost, stunning website to showcase your expertise and bring you plenty of leads. Hi, it's Annette Wellsford, and today I'm joined by Jason Cooney of The Tender Team. So Jason is a tender and bid writer who helps tradies across Australia write bids and tenders to win work from the government and private sectors. Jason and his team of writers, they do a a heap of things, including helping businesses identify and bid for tenders and and helping them to ensure that they win contracts. Now, he says he has an 85% win rate for tradies bidding for council contracts in their local area, which is pretty impressive. And I believe that aside from writing tenders and bids, Jason is also a keen spear fisherman. Um, Jason... Let's start off by asking a little bit about you. Uh, how did you get into tender writing? What's your background? Hi, Annette. Um, well, I was working at a law firm um, as, a, as a tender and bid writer, and that's a role that I went into straight after, um, straight after university. Um, I was working along in the law firm, moved to another law firm, and then after that I kind of got into bid writing and tender writing for tradies and for all different types of businesses. Okay, so now you do predominantly tradies, I understand. Why would tradies want to tend for business? Uh, a few different reasons. Sometimes they don't have a choice. So some tradies may have had been working for the same local council or the same client for 10 or 15 years, and then the client puts the contract out to tender, so they're kind of forced to tender. Um, and other times, tradies will um, want to grow their business. So they would have worked in the residential sector and then they'll think to themselves, oh, it'd be nice to have a commercial contract or it must have a, a council contract. And they typically procure through the tender process. So they'll want to, to tender or bid for business um, because they want to move to the commercial sector. Okay. And how big or small, you know, what size business generally do you work with or is good for, you know, what what size, is it one-man bands or bigger or? Um, anything from a one-man band to, to slightly larger businesses. I mean, I'd, I'd say probably one or two people in the business um, and, and they can start tendering. You know, I've worked for concreters who have been servicing local councils. There might be a team of, say, three um, locksmiths are the same. Um, so any size really, I suppose, but it starts off with one man bands and then goes up to larger, larger companies. Um, yep. and you can always subcontract work out. So some traders that are, that are small, but use subcontractors strategically can sometimes secure some larger tenders as well. And what kind of, um, trades do, you know, what do you see tenders coming up for? Look, the large ones um, and, and some different ones. So obviously, um, you know, carpentry, building, plumbing, electrical, go out to tender all the time. Um, and, and, and of course, builders. Um, but then we've done a few, a few interesting trades. Um, pest control is something that I've done a lot of, um, a few, fair few tenders for. Um, as I just mentioned before, locksmiths, um, pretty much everything and everything, even to the extent of, you know, uh, bricklayers and also um, marble 
marble working technicians and so forth. So there are restoration tenders that come up across. So I guess it'd be anything really, wouldn't it? It'd be painters, florists. Painting, definitely. Flooring insulation, asbestos removal, tiling, the whole lot. So where do tradies go to find tender opportunities? Sure. Um, It depends which tender opportunities they're looking for. So if they're looking for Australian federal government opportunities, so that federal level, um, and that might be, for example, the Department of Defence is building a new barracks or replacing the roof of one of their of their barracks or buildings, um, yep. and that is advertised at um, tenders.gov.au. So that's the government website that announces all the federal government tenders. In addition to that, each state has local um, has tender uh, advertisement services where they advertise the state government tenders. Um, and there are also uh, government level, um, local government level tenders. So that's their local council. So their local council, they can subscribe to a notification service with your respective local, with your respective local council, and they'll notify you when a tender comes out that's in your industry, for example. Um, and we've got a list of those. So if you know anyone wants to let us know, um, we can identify which state they're in and where they should be subscribing. Um, There are also private services that identify commercial sector private opportunities um, and tradies generally also find out about these just by having contact. So they might, you know, for example, be in touch with the building manager for the last couple of years who they're trying to get work for. Um, And when that's the case, usually they'll be invited to tender. And you also sometimes see them, don't you, in the newspapers, in the back pages? Most definitely. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. They, they advertise those, particularly local government tenders or local opportunities, um, mm-hmm. which are always good ones because uh, tradies have always got a better chance of winning work in their local area. Yeah, yeah, of course. So how would they sort of, you know, when you're looking at these tender opportunities and stuff, how do you decide which ones are worth going for and which ones are going to be, you know, you're not suitable for or could be a waste of your time, you know, going through the exercise? Because I'm sure not everything's perfect for everybody. That's really, well, yeah, and it's really important that um, traders don't waste their time and resources putting into um, to complete a tender which they don't really have a chance of, of winning or securing. Look, we use kind of like a bid, no bid process, which we've got a form for, but essentially... The questions to ask are, can I deliver on the project if I'm successful? So there's no point in going for something that's too large. And it might be exciting for a trader to say, I'm going for a large tender and the big job and so forth. But if you you can't deliver on it, then you're you're only going to cause yourself trouble. The other point is you want to go for something that you know you can price well. And it doesn't actually mean price well in terms of going in with a cheap price, but that you can understand the pricing and you've got the knowledge to provide a price that you know is sustainable so if you're asking yourself questions as you're going through it saying oh we haven't got any experience doing this or i don't know how to scope that out then it might not be the right tender for you and it's dangerous because you can price it and make a mistake be too cheap and lose money on it and so forth and the third sort of point main point would be that you want to go for a tender where you've got right experience and the right personnel and you know you can answer all the questions comprehensively so you're going to give it a good shot you it's in your local area is generally preferred and where there are questions asking for experience you know for example can you provide example of two similar projects that you've completed in the last two years 
you say to yourself, yeah, definitely we've got three or four that are similar to this project. So you kind of flows and you know that you're, you're getting it. That's, they're the kind of rules of thumb in terms of which tenders you should go for. And you definitely don't want to go for something that um, you don't have a good shot at because it's going to chew up a lot of opportunity costs um, and you could spend that time elsewhere chasing clients or working and bringing in money. Well, that, that's a good question. What kind of resources um, would you need to put um, a winning tender together? Like how many people or what kind of knowledge or how long and how long does it take? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it generally takes, I mean, with most tenders, they give you, say, three to four weeks to, to pull it together. Um, a lot of our clients have, you know, a family member or a secretary or someone that assists in running their business. And when they're out on the tools, you know, they do all the back office work and so forth. You generally need someone like that to complete a tender because if not, you're going to be working a lot of kind of late nights getting the information out. So in terms of resources, I'd say for any tender, you'd need to allocate someone for, say, half a day every day for the three or the two or three weeks that it takes to prepare the tender. Um, And most traders will probably also need to allocate some of their own time. You know, they won't have to not work at all, but they'll definitely have some of their time that they need to allocate to pricing and to giving whoever it is that's working on the tender the information that they need to complete it. And do you have to, is there any kind of special requirements usually, you know, in terms of certifications like ISO or compliance regulations or anything that you need to, you know, fit into? Um, Yeah, it depends on um, what government organisation you're submitting for and the size of the tender. So some, um, some government organisations, for example, the Department of Defence, I think tenders over a million dollars, you know, require you um, to have certain certifications. And independent certification of your safety systems, your quality systems and your environmental systems um, are generally preferred but not required. So what that means is let's just say you're kind of small trade, um, you want to go for your local council tender, you know you're taking on the big guys um, and you've got a basic safety system. It means that you would probably need to beef up your safety system and create a quality management system and environmental management system. But you can do that by purchasing and tailoring off the shelf off the shelf system. Oh, okay. Um, so they can kind of get away with it that way, and it's fine. Now it will mean that you comply with the requirements. You just have to answer a few more questions. I mean, when you're independently certified with many tenders, they'll ask you to provide a copy of the certificate and not to bother answering the 60 other safety questions that they've got. Now, when you're not independently certified, you have to go through and answer all the safety questions and outline your swims and all the rest of it. So that's where, um, generally speaking, you don't need to be specifically certified, but you still need to do a good job of answering it in order to win. And what other kind of detail do you need to go into about your experience and your team members and, you know, that stuff like that? Yeah, good question. Um, look, a fair bit. Um, most tenders will generally ask for detail. For traders, I generally ask for detail on their team, and that means not only outlining, um, you know, your your individual the individual safety qualifications of your team, but also their experience and where they fit in um, your organisation. So what that means is, say you're the lead supervisor or you're the, you're the director and the owner, and then you've got like a foreman then you'll need to know, they want to know not only, okay, your foreman's got a, I don't know, builder's licence and is a carpenter term builder, but they'll also want to know their experience, which previous projects they've worked on, 
um, how they fit in the team, if they're in a leadership role, if they're a safety officer um, or what they're in charge of. So you need to go into detail around not only the experience of your team members, but also their roles. In terms of your previous experience, the trick is that most of the time in a tender, they'll say, I'll provide two examples of previous experience. And you're right, oh, that's easy. You know, if I'm, say, for example, if I build playgrounds, I'm a, I'm a tradie that's a, that's a landscaper and I also build, you know, school playgrounds, I'll talk about the previous two school playgrounds that I've built. But you might just say, oh, it was a, you know, school playground at the local school um, and we built it and it was a 12-day or four-week job and so forth. What they want to know when they're talking about previous experience or track record is the detail of that specific job. What was the cost? Were there any safety issues on site? What innovative building ideas or methodologies did you employ? What were the key issues or challenges that were involved in that um, project and how did you overcome them? So it's important to look at the question on, pre on your previous experience and track record more broadly and say, okay, well, yep, we, for example, built the public toilets near another stadium, but you've also got to tell them that when you built the public toilets, you managed to do it in the record time. Um, there was a specific issue about removing asbestos, which you handled well and so forth. So, yeah. So That's quite a bit to it, yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to kind of waffle and talk a whole lot of fluffy marketing stuff because the readers don't like reading that. But yeah. proper, concise detail about what you did and how you did it um, is definitely the way to go and it lets you kind of set your tender apart from your competitors. So does the tender document ask you those specific questions or is it really up to you to kind of know what to put in? Sometimes it asks you, sometimes it doesn't ask you at all. It's up, it'll usually ask you for the estimated value of the previous project, for example, um, but it won't ask you the other, the other points about safety and scope and all the rest of it. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of up to you to, to insert it and think to yourself, what do they care about? And what should I talk about for in each individual case study? But it will it will help you. It will reinforce. Oh, and should you. you include like you know um, photos and images and stuff with with that? Um, you should. There is a generally speaking, um, general photos don't do anything for you with tenders. So that means that if you've got like a capability statement or a fancy brochure that you've created, and you just attach that brochure to your bid, um, it'll frustrate the reader because they'll think, oh, this is just a general marketing, fluffy stuff. What a waste of time for me to read it. But if you've got images, like say, for example, you're talking about one of your previous projects, you put an image of that project and you've also got a work image or you've got an image, you know, like a process image where your personnel are observing safety procedures properly and so forth and you insert that image and yeah. you say this is, you know, an image on working on the previous project um, where we observe safety, uh, all the safety requirements, and three of our people, as outlined in our team, are working, that's a good outcome. So images are great as long as they have meaning. Yeah, um, and they're relevant, you, I suppose. In, yeah. But, yeah. you know, submitting a fancy document with a nice cover page and some general images are helpful, but they don't actually do anything to, to help you score higher. So what is the deal breaker? What, what, if you've got say five you know landscape gardeners going for the one tender do mm -hmm. how do how do they choose is it on price if and what but what if they're all very similar in price yeah sure there's definitely so with most tenders they'll issue a weighting criteria and what they mean by the weighting criteria is saying okay 
40% of the final decision will be based on price, 20% will be your experience, 10% okay. will be your local capability, and say 20% will be your methodology. Now, it's always a good idea to kind of take price out of the equation because everyone will come in, sometimes everyone comes in with a very similar price. Yeah. So if you kind of don't look at the price, then how do you differentiate yourself? Um, one of the ways I would say, especially for government tenders, is focus on being local and focus on what you're going to do for the local community because you always get a few bonus points there. And that's talking about, okay, um, we're going to employ locals for this job. Um, so if I'm, if I'm from out of town, we're going to employ locals. Um, we're going to spend our money at the local Mitre 10 or the local Bunnings or whichever local supplier there, are, there is. Um, and we've got a track record of backing up the local community. We're going to employ a local apprentice for the next two years if we win the contract and so forth. So they want to see that the downstream economic and social benefits of the contract are going to flow through to their local community and their local council. Now, if you're from the local area, then that's the first thing you say, I'm a local boy. Yeah. I've been living in the area for 25 years. Give, give the role to me. Um, the second uh, kind of way you differentiate is sometimes with your methodology because you can have an innovative methodology that lets you get the job done quicker or gets the job done better um, or you're more comprehensive because you might, you know, do three coats of waterproofing instead of two for balconies. So different things um, within the methodology that can differentiate you and demonstrate how you're innovative and how you can get a job done more effectively. Um, oh, so that's okay. something with the methodology that you can, you can really excel on. Um, and I'd also say with your tender response, um, sort of putting the effort into personalising it a bit so they know if you're cut and pasting your previous tender into this one. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we do it. You know, lots of clients will say, hey, just cut and paste my other tender and submit it. You know? um, but the extra amount of time you spend tailoring it and making the reader think that you've written this tender response specifically for them is helpful to helping you win it. So I suppose yeah. it's just hard work on the tender, which is another one. So different things can differentiate, but I'd probably say, you know, a good quality method, um, executive summary, explaining your methodology and program, the benefits of it, um, and definitely focusing on being local or how you're going to help being local. And probably the fourth one is safety. So yeah, with any government right. tender, safety is always a big thing. So you want to have that as a key kind of win theme with your tender. Throughout your tender, you want to be focusing on safety um, and, and compliance. A word from our sponsor, Instant Tradie Websites. Tradies, you know you need a good website so you can promote your business and generate more inquiries week after week. But what if you don't have thousands to spend on it and no time or clue on how to build it yourself? Well, problem is now solved. You can create your own with one of the stunning Instant Tradie website designs. It'll be yours to keep on your domain name and the team at Instant Trading Websites will host it. They'll keep it secure. They'll show you how to add your content. They'll help you edit it and help you launch it to the world. They can even help you with low cost marketing so that your new site is easily found online. Find out more at instanttradingwebsites.com.au now and check out the beautiful designs and low fees. With a tender, if you win it, does it mean that you've actually got that job or that you're just um, one of many or how, how does that work? Yeah, sure. It depends on the specific tender. So 
let's say for example you're tendering to to build a, a small stadium at the local at a local park um you know for a local council um if you're tendering for a project specific like that then if you win it you've got it pure and simple um however a lot of organizations create panels so for example if i'm your university um I'll put out a tender for maintenance and I'll appoint, say, three or four different companies to the panel to conduct maintenance tasks for the university. So what that means is that you're on a panel of three or four, but when you've won it and you've been successfully appointed to the panel, then you know you're going to get a pretty decent amount of work out of it. I mean, they might have one a job. They might have a rule where for every job that comes in, they just give it to the next, the next company and the next company on the panel. So they go one job at a time. So, you know, you're going to get, say, 25 or 30% of the work. Um, right. So if it's for a specific project, you're in. If not, it's pretty good anyway because you might be on a panel of, say, three providers um, and you're going to be on it for three years. So you should be able to get some work out of it. And um, the age-old question, you know, working for government, it's kind of well known that, well, it used to be. I think things have changed a bit. But how long do, you know, if you, with your tender work, how long do you have to wait to get paid? Uh, yeah, that's a good a good one. Um, look, it depends on each specific tender, but something we do see common are 30-day payment terms. Um, and you do have to be careful because um, even though there may be a 30-day payment term, sometimes there's a 15 or 14-day lag about actually submitting the invoice. So they might say, listen, you can submit your invoices on the 14th and the 30th of every month, and then we'll pay in 30 days. So if you kind of got the invoice on the 17th, then you're going to be 40, 42 days. Um, but the good thing is that the government, and it depends on the, on what the what's specified in the tender. But the good thing is that the government pay their bills, um, generally speaking. So you haven't got a bad debt risk. It's just the point of kind of waiting. With the government, well, kind of what you see is what you get. And as long as tradies, just be careful as well about um, complying with the reporting requirements of government in order to get paid. So yeah. it sounds like you've you've. Um completed a lot of tenders over the years um yeah how many do you reckon sure you've do. done yeah. what's your and what's your win rate do you reckon um, so i think 1000 i think we're up to 1270 wow um yeah so a fair bit it's all we do all day um and in terms of win rate so it you know our, our overall general win rate is 40 percent um, and that's for anything and everything. Um, but a good bid, no bid analysis, so where you think to yourself, is it worth going for it or not, um, is great um, because it lets you kind of make sure you go for the good ones and the ones that you've got a real shot at. Um, we've got a very high win rate on um, local sort of like tradies that are going for tenders or panels in their local area, in their local council area. Yeah. Um, and we've also got a fairly good win rate, so over 90% on incumbents. So that's when you, you've already got the tender and you're just trying to get reappointed. Okay, yeah. And have you got any sort of interesting case studies or tender stories? We've got, yeah, a couple. Um, over the years, I've got um, one company, um, this is more of a warning, so this is a bad story, but a, but a good learning experience anyway. Um, one company, and we didn't know, um, we advised them, we said to mates, don't, don't have a go at it because you don't have the experience um, for, for a specific tender. Um, but we completed the tender for them anyway because they insisted on it. Anyway, they ended up winning it. Um, and we were like, okay, this is fantastic. Um, we just didn't understand how it happened, you know. But um, what happened in the end was um, we found out was that they priced very low. They priced at what they would do a residential job for. 
essentially. Um, but um, six months into it, we kind of just were catching up with them and they told us that they were effectively losing money on the tender because of all the compliance work that went with the reporting and taking photos and progress photos and all the rest of it that you generally wouldn't have to do um, for a residential job and they were doing oh, that for a, for a local yeah. job. So that's, that's a bad one. Um, so that's just lack of experience. Do you, do, you help, experience. do you help a tradie like that come up with a pricing? We don't help them come up with the pricing, but we definitely make them aware of all the issues that can impact their pricing. Right. Um, yeah. So we kind of warn them, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, and we, we recommend that they kind of listen to us on that. It just means that they need to add in a bit of a buffer in their pricing to take yeah. care of any, any sort of externalities. Um, that's one story. Another story, which is, um, which is a good story, which, is a, which was a fun one, um, was just because it was a family business. So it was a father and son um, team. They were cleaners, but also maintenance. Um, and they had won this tender and um, they were successful and so forth. Um, all excited. Well, the good part for us was that um, they, they surprised us. They're like, you know, most of the time clients will say, yep, thanks for the tender. They're all happy. But um, these guys did a barbecue. They go, oh, come over. We're going to say thank you because we've won this tender. So we, um, myself and my rider walk into this barbecue and there's about 30 people there thinking that we were fantastic and we'd won the tender for them. Oh. We didn't know what was going on. Yeah, it was surprising. Anyway, that, it out that, um, that was all their start. So, oh. um, yeah, so that, they brought the whole team over to say thanks because um, they kind of continued. And there was all, I mean, their staff in saying that because, you know, they have cleaners that do four-hour and eight-hour shifts. So they had this big barbecue to say that they'd won the tender for the next three years and everyone wow. had to keep their jobs basically. <laughs> um, so that was a fun story. We weren't expecting it, um, but we just walked into it and, yeah, the food was good, so it was great. <laughs> so, <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so, so basically, uh, Jason, you and your team are available to help tradies, um, you know, prepare tenders, but um, I understand from our earlier chat that you've actually got two very generous um, gifts or offers um, for our listeners today. Do you want to tell us about the first one? Uh, sure. So one's a, um, one's a bid, no bid kind of checklist that they can use. Um, okay. And it's a good one. The reason it's good, they can, you can download it. Um, but the reason it's good is because it'll give tradies, and it's fairly simple, some basic questions to ask themselves when they're considering going for a tender or not. Okay. Um, and what that does is it'll, we hope it will stop anyone from wasting their time on a tender that they don't really have a chance at. Um, yeah. So that's one. And the second, uh, the second kind of the offer we've got is, um, look, if you've got a tender or you're working off a tender and you want to pick our brains, um, then you can send it through to us. And if it takes half hour, an hour, no problem. Um, we'll have a look at it and we'll provide you with feedback. Um, and it's free of charge and you can go and act on that feedback. Oh, um, that's very generous. Thank you. So they can cross-check wow. kind of or get ideas on what their tenders are looking at. Awesome. That's that's very generous. So thank you for, for those. What, what we'll do is we will put uh, a link to the bid, no bid checklist in the show notes along with details of how you can take Jason up on his very generous offer to review a tender that you're currently working on and give you some feedback you can, you can shoot him a, um, an email um, at info at thetenderteam.com.au or you could give him a buzz on his mobile and leave a message and all the, these contact details are available on his website, thetenderteam.com.au. So, Jason, thank you so much 
for your time today and I hope you've inspired some of our listeners to uh, start considering getting uh, into, you know, having a look at some tenders and uh, putting some uh, effort into securing some tenders and more importantly getting your help because you've got a really good win rate. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, no, it's good. I think um, one of the big benefits of tenders as well um, is that it's not like residential or it's not like your standard work. No. Um, once you're on a panel, um, you kind of guarantee yourself work for three years. Wow. Um, so you, yeah. it's, a, it's a good thing. Yeah. Or, and with the current, with the current sort of growth, I suppose, in the construction sector, kind of as we slowly come out of this pandemic economic situation, mm. there'd be a lot of work coming up, yeah. I would imagine. Most definitely. And, it's, yeah. and the majority is government, so it's good. Excellent. All right. Thank you all. Cool. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Talk yes. soon. Well done for listening to this podcast. You've taken another step towards becoming a marketing genius. Visit tradiesuccess.com.au to grab the transcript of this podcast and other useful marketing goodies and take some sort of marketing action today.